This is the Bible in one year, day 244. Find your purpose in life. What a waste, said a woman to my friend. This woman was talking about Bishop Sandy Miller, who'd practiced very successfully as a lawyer for 10 years before leaving it all behind to become an ordained minister in the church. A waste, exclaimed my outraged friend. Yes, said the woman, such a waste. He could have made a fortune and been at the very top of the legal profession. Think of what he could have achieved. Think of what he has achieved, replied my friend, who was thinking of the impact of Sandy's ministry on thousands of people around the world, whose lives had been changed, marriages enriched, and churches renewed. Those who found faith, love, hope, and peace through encountering Jesus Christ as a result of Sandy's ministry. Many have given up a successful career, a high salary, and in the eyes of the world, all their prospects in order to serve God in full-time ministry with little or no pay. They know that theirs is a high calling and purpose that far exceeds what the world can promise them. Of course, those called to serve God in their secular places of work have an equally high purpose and calling. If they're doing what they're doing in order to please God and for the sake of his kingdom. The key is not the job or career, but the goal you pursue. So many people waste their lives. They have no purpose, meaning or goal. Other people do have a goal, but it's the wrong one. They end up chasing something that is ultimately meaningless. Many reach the top of the ladder of success only to find that it is leaning against the wrong wall. Purpose in life is far more important than property or possessions. Having more to live with is no substitute for having more to live for. It's been said that the two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. God created you with a purpose in mind. From Proverbs 21 Whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. The wicked become a ransom for the righteous and the unfaithful for the upright. Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity and honor. One who is wise can go up against the city of the mighty and pull down the stronghold in which they trust. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. The proud and arrogant person, Mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury. The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. Pursue righteousness and love. Many people today lead hedonistic lives. Hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure as the ultimate goal. Hedonists become addicted to the things that give them pleasure. You're addicted to thrills? What an empty life. The pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. Also, there's nothing wrong with saving. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. But relationships are far more important than riches. Better to live in a tent in the wild than with a cross and petulant spouse. 
The purpose and goal of your life should never revolve around material things. Rather, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity and honor. Make this the aim of your life, to pursue a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. Love should be your aim. Sinners are always wanting what they don't have. The God-loyal are always giving what they do have. The irony is that those who pursue righteousness and love find what the hedonist is seeking, life, prosperity and honour. But these are byproducts. They should never be your aim or purpose. Rather, it should be God's kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus promises all these things will be given to you as well. Lord, help me not to waste my life in pleasure-seeking, but to seek your kingdom, to pursue righteousness and love in everything I do. New Testament from 2 Corinthians 5 For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Aim to please God. Paul's main aim and purpose in life was to please God. Pleasing God's the main thing, and that's what we aim to do regardless of our conditions. We may face physical challenges. Your physical body will not always be able to do what you used to do. One day, these bodies of ours will be taken down like tents and folded away. They will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are promised all the blessings of the kingdom of God. Yet we still feel weak and sinful, still experience hardship and frustration and still live in a broken world. How much of the blessing of the kingdom must you wait for in the future or on the last day? And how much do you experience here and now in the present? There's a balance between what you will experience in the future and what you experience now. Now you are away from the Lord. You live by faith, not by sight. In the future you will be at home with the Lord. What is mortal will be swallowed up by life. You will not experience the full blessing of the kingdom yet. Nevertheless, now in the present, you experience a foretaste of the future. God has made us for this very purpose and has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts 
so that we'll never settle for less. That deposit is not just an assurance, it's a piece of the not yet of God's blessing, reign and rule in the now. That is what the Holy Spirit brings. That's why we live with such good cheer. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. While we wait, we make it our goal to please him. Sooner or later, we will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. Lord, help me to make this goal the focus of my life. Lord, I want to please you in everything I do, say, and think. Old Testament, from Micah 5-7 to Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. We will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders, who will rule the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with drawn sword. He will deliver us from the Assyrians when they invade our land and march across our borders. The remnant of Jacob will be in the midst of many peoples like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass which do not wait for anyone or depend on man. The remnant of Jacob will be among the nations in the midst of many peoples, like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among flocks of sheep which mauls and mangles as it goes, and no one can rescue. Your hand will be lifted up in triumph over your enemies, and all your foes will be destroyed. In that day, declares the Lord, I will destroy your horses from among you and demolish your chariots. I will destroy the cities of your land and tear down all your strongholds. I will destroy your witchcraft, and you will no longer cast spells. I will destroy your idols and your sacred stones from among you. You will no longer bow down to the work of your hands. I will uproot from among you your Asherah poles when I demolish your cities. I will take vengeance in anger and wrath on the nations that have not obeyed me. Micah chapter 6 Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up. Plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people, 
Remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Listen, the Lord is calling to the city, and to fear your name is wisdom. Heed the rod and the one who appointed it. Am I still to forget your ill-gotten treasures, you wicked house, and the short ephah, which is accursed? Shall I acquit someone with dishonest scales, with a bag of false weights? Your rich people are violent, your inhabitants are liars, and their tongues speak deceitfully. Therefore, I have begun to destroy you, to ruin you because of your sins. You will eat but not be satisfied. Your stomach will still be empty. You will store up but save nothing, because what you save I will give to the sword. You will plant but not harvest. You will press olives but not use the oil. You will crush grapes but not drink the wine. You have observed the statutes of Umrai and all the practices of Ahab's house. You have followed their traditions. Therefore I will give you over to ruin and your people to derision. You will bear the scorn of the nations. Micah chapter 7 What misery is mine! I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright, worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come, the day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will arise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. She who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall, 
even now she will be trampled underfoot like mire in the streets. The day for building your walls will come, the day for extending your boundaries. In that day, people will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, even from Egypt to the Euphrates, and from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. The earth will become desolate because of its inhabitants as the result of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, which lives by itself in a forest, in fertile pasture lands. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead, as in days long ago. As in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. Nations will see and be ashamed, deprived of all their power. They will put their hands over their mouths, and their ears will become deaf. They will lick dust like a snake, like creatures that crawl on the ground. They will come trembling out of their dens. They will turn in fear to the Lord our God and will be afraid of you. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. Rise to Micah's challenge. It's possible to have a wasted soul. Through the prophet Micah, God warns against obscene wealth piled up by cheating and fraud, shady deals and shifty scheming. No matter how much you get, it will never be enough. Hollow stomachs, empty hearts. No matter how hard you work, you'll have nothing to show for it. Bankrupt lives, wasted souls. At times, Micah looks forward. At one point, he unknowingly prophesies about Jesus. He sees a ruler coming from Bethlehem whose origins are from of old, from ancient times, and he will be their peace. He will be known as peacemaker of the world. At other times, Micah looks back. He looks at all that God has done for his people. He redeemed them. He led them. He urged them to remember. God is a God of astonishing love and mercy. Mercy is your speciality. That's what you love most. And compassion is on its way to us. You'll stamp out our wrongdoing. You'll sink our sins to the bottom of the ocean. Through Jesus, your past is totally forgiven. Don't keep looking back with regret. God has hurled your iniquities into the depths of the sea and there's no fishing allowed. What will your response be to this amazing grace? Micah presents this challenge to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This threefold challenge gives us the purpose and goal of our lives. First, act justly. Justice is very high up on God's agenda. Injustice causes so much of the world's suffering today. I have to make this a higher priority in my own life and in our community. We must do more to see that the poor, 
the marginalised and the voiceless receive justice. Second, love mercy. God has shown us such mercy. Our response should be to show mercy. Don't put pressure on others to perform perfectly. Love and accept them for who they are. We need to bring the message of the gospel of God's love and mercy to as many as possible, including the prisoners, the homeless, the elderly and the poor. Third, walk humbly with God. Never see yourself as better, above or more important than other people. A proud person overestimates their own importance. They cannot laugh at themselves. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. We cannot do any of this unless we're walking in a relationship with the Lord. These three go together. True faith is evidenced by how you live. This is why Paul writes that the things done while in the body really matter. You'll be judged by them. They are the evidence of your faith. Lord, help me to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. Pepper adds, In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive what is due them for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. In the light of that, I'm glad to read today in Micah that God delights to show mercy, and he says, Who is a God like you, who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions? You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea.